Come on down out of there. Or I'll blast his head off. You can see how far you've got till now. With your bloody thirst of justice. How far you've got aren't you sorry? Listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You've been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight. Welcome to episode 252 of They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. Uh, I'm your host, Lee. The price of four bullets, Russell. I am joined by my co-hostess with the most is Lee. You had to pay for the water. Now you got to pay for the medicines. Hardy, how are you doing, ma'am? I am that strict and I am that fucking vicious. <laughs> and you look vicious. like and you look like a racist Tom Petty. Is is that? <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly it. Yeah, I am. I am that person. I am such a mean ass person. Terrible, awful. Anyways, I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> All right, awesome. And uh, we are being joined by some special guests tonight. First off, we have Mike. Your memories won't let you forget the debts you have to be paid. Wood, how are you doing, sir? Wow, what what an intro. I'll just yeah. don't know how to follow that up. So Hello. just just think of some bullshit that Kiyama says in this movie and then say it, you know. Like <laughs> Oh, I'm thinking more about like the soundtrack and how it just tells mm-hmm. me the whole movie. In case I forgot it, it just tells me the whole movie over again and what he's thinking at any moment. So mm-hmm. it was yeah. uh yes. <laughs> it's so amazing. Yeah, and uh, his co-host, these two gentlemen on the Grind Bin, an excellent podcast that you probably do know. If you don't know, you're stupid. Uh, Bobby, he can't die, and you know why? Because he's free. Trip it. How you doing, sir? Oh, I'm doing great, man. There's everything here from whiskey to loving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I'm wearing a lot of fringe. I I think I overdid it. <laughs> are, are you matching a fucking uh hippie jared leto in this film basically <laughs> yeah much like our lead in the movie i, I look like i'm fronting a metalcore band in 2008 <laughs> <laughs> yeah we are doing the franco nero 
classic directed by Enzo G. Castellari, Kiyoma from 1976. Before we get into that, though, uh, we'll talk about what anyone's watched in the last little while. I know Lady Lee has something at least, so uh, I'll throw it over to you. I It's a rewatch for me again, and I talked about it before, but I, I kind of laugh about it every time I watch it. Um, I watch Fantasia. So <laughs> it's hilarious because, like, Disney Plus now has a thing where it warns you that there's uh, racism in it. And they're like, oh. yeah, they're like, we're still going to show it because obviously, but we're letting you warn you that there is something. And I was thinking, I'm like, Fantasia, like, wh- when when is it racist? I don't get it. Because I always fall asleep during this movie. Because mm-hmm. that's like one of those like movies that kind of makes you relax because it's all classical music, right? And then I started watching it and then it got to like the first, like a first 15 minutes, there was the mushrooms that look like Asian people dancing. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I see it now. <laughs> I see it. <laughs> I just laughed. I'm like, I never even thought of it until they said it. Uh. <laughs> now you see the racism inherent in the system. Yeah. That's so bad. <laughs> it's so, and how they walk too, and how they're like, oh, God. Yep. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody out there in the world. That was. <laughs> well, if they're going to put that disclaimer on, then why isn't Song of the South on, on Disney Plus? Uh, I, I don't get that it. one's that one's I think the, like the the worst of the worst. This is like a little tidbit yeah. of versus that's like I've never seen it. I've only heard about it. But anyway, they'll, they'll, the they'll probably show Triumph of the Will on Disney Plus before they show Song of the South. Yeah. You need the disclaimer on the screen the entire time. If you're Song of the South. <laughs> we well, are okay, very though. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> picture in picture and Look. the smaller picture is the movie. They may never show you the movie again, but you can always go ride the ride, okay? Because you can just go on Splash Mountain anytime and see Song of the South. I have. Oh I want to see it just because I'm very curious about it, so I definitely am going to watch it. Uh, but I am. I'm ready. <laughs> totally ready for this. Do it through a VPN, <laughs> or you'll be on a list. <laughs> we have a uh, a bootleg in this house that my wife got just years ago on the streets of San Francisco, and it's just. It's not worth seeking out. No, yeah, they put it yeah. in a shadow box and have it up on the wall. <laughs> yes, yeah, it is. It, every time weird. we want to watch it, we do have to take it out of the shadow box down from the wall. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, honestly, it's not that. It's not that interesting. It's no, kind of like not. horrifically racist. It's like one of those really old, boring Disney movies, but yeah, with racism. So mm-hmm. the only thing I'll mention. Uh, I recently watched, uh, I've been trying to do some older noir stuff, although this is more like end of classic noir period. Kansas City Confidential from 1952. This uh, stars uh, Neville Brand, Lee Van Cleef, and Jack Elam in like heavy roles, basically, you know, as as gangsters and shit. Of course, they sort of came from the Westerns and stuff as like they were always playing like thug number two in a western you know or whatever right but here they're like hired by this mastermind called mr big quote unquote who wears a like a really weird mask and he like he sets up a crime where they uh, frame this guy and and steal a bunch of money and then the movie moves to mexico so like kansas city confidential spends like i don't know 10 minutes in kansas city (laughs) <laughs> and it's and it's not even filmed in Kansas City, of course. And then the rest of it's Mexico. And the fit. This is just a trope I love from like this era. No matter how fucking hot it is, no matter what the climate is, everyone's wearing like fucking tweed suits and shit. Like they're just <laughs> just heavy That's fucking suits. Yeah, uh, Lee Van Cleef is just sweating like 
his balls off. Like he he's already rail thin, and I think he probably lost thirty pounds in this movie. Just just the wow. way he sweats in the movie. But it it's really good, and you can tell Quentin Tarantino saw this one and basically stole some of the ideas here for Reservoir Dogs because like they have the idea of nobody in the in the crew knows each other's names and and that sort of thing like they, it, it kind of sets up the same as uh, Reservoir Dogs does and then then you get the whole aftermath of the crime and everyone at each other's fucking throats and trying to steal the money and stuff so uh, it's actually really really fucking good I really enjoyed it and uh, highly recommended that's awesome yeah uh, you know, uh, I was recently watching a, a story about a masked character as well. I, I recently bought the uh, the Fantomas trilogy on Blu-ray. Oh yeah. Oh. Uh, for anyone listening who doesn't know about that, that's a uh, it's a trilogy of uh, of films kind of trying to capture the magic of the the Bond movies that had just hit as a global phenomenon uh, using this this super old uh, French super thief character that had been mm-hmm. around forever. And uh, they did this big, colorful, you know, action comedies where uh, he's running around in this blue mask. He's a master of disguise. He's who uh, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby got the idea for the chameleon from. They pretty mm-hmm. much just lifted that entirely. And uh, he's being pursued by a uh, French comedy legend, Louis Dufoon, who uh, we covered over <laughs> on the grind bin a while back on uh, the mad adventures of Rabbi Jacob. So that's just a, it's a hell mm-hmm. of a movie. And uh, I've only gotten through the first one so far on the trilogy, but I'm excited to finally have uh you know, proper, uh, tra- proper uh, subtitled copies of this because I had French mm-hmm. ones for a while and I had to turn to my wife and be like, what are they saying? That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of funny. Fucking uh, Phantom Mouse is one of the sort of one of the characters that informs uh, uh, Diabolic. And we did Danger oh, yeah. Diabolic a few episodes ago. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, one I was watching recently, I watched The Conformist from 1970. Uh, it's a Bertolucci film. Um, you know, the man who famously did Last Tango in Paris, but trust me, this one's a little bit more tame than that. Uh, (laughs) great movie though, if you haven't seen it. Um, it's about a young fascist who has to go back and assassinate his old mentor, uh, because he is an anti fascist. And it's a really interesting movie, especially with a lot of parallels of what's going on currently in the world. Um, and I would say that if you're a fan of the Coen brothers at all, they really ripped off this movie for Miller's Crossing. Like, oh, really? one of the okay. scenes in The Conformist is very, very reminiscent of the wooded scene in Miller's Crossing. So, wow. Great movie, though. So, Coen brothers, you hacks. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, they're paying homage for sure, but I wouldn't say hackery, but um, yeah, you could, you could see it clearly. And it's one of the first movies I think where they, especially in 1970, where they were really doing some camera moves you hadn't seen before, especially in that wooded scene. So highly recommend. Uh, I don't, not, not really. I don't really hear much about it very so often, but I, I saw it on a list of like hidden movies from the seventies. You should check out and uh, I recommend it. Nice. I'd never heard of that one before. Yeah, before, I hadn't so either. I'm, yeah, I'm going to check That's that out. That's The Conformist, you said? The Conformist, yes. All right, cool. All right, we're going to get into this. Uh, we're going to take a quick little break. We're going to play a podcast promo, a little bit of music. And we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about Kiyama. And I don't know about you, gentlemen, but I think, and ladies, of course, I almost, almost <laughs> fucked that up. Um, but uh, I think... We got this, man. We got this by the ass. <laughs> you ungodly warlock. 
Motion Picture Massacre is dedicated to exploitation, cult, grindhouse, and horror films from the last 7,500 fucking years. I don't fucking know. It's everything. If you're interested in that, check out motionpicturemassacre.com or if you're on iTunes, search Motion Picture Massacre and you'll find it. This has been your announcer, Cowardly Fuck Your Bags, signing off. Eat a dick. You ungodly warlock. I'm glad Vaughn does his promos just like his show or his guest appearances. So I felt that <laughs> Vaughn has a mode and he sticks to it. Absolutely. You get Vaughn straight to dome no matter what he's doing. <laughs> so we have Kiama from 1976. And we do have a trailer. So we're going to get into that. And I cut this down, by the way. This trailer is like almost four minutes. So I cut it down to about two something. Because <laughs> oh, it's an Italian trailer. So they show you the whole movie, right? Including the ending and everything. Pretty much. Yeah, they give away everything. Yeah. Come on in. You've been gone quite a while this time. Where you been? Fighting a war. Meet anybody faster than you? Not yet. He shot Ben and Charlie not even turning around. Ain't no man can hit a target without looking at it. There are two men who can't. A paw is one and the other is... This land belongs to Mr. Caldwell. 
along with everything that's on it. You had to pay for the water, and now you got to pay for the medicine. <laughs> I'll pay this time. How much are you willing to pay? Four cents. The price of four bullets. One, two, three, and four. Why are you helping us? When you've been away so long, your memories won't let you forget the debts that have to be paid. Aren't you tired of killing? I have to survive! <laughs> Man, how great was the Django theme song? Am I right, everybody? Yeah. <laughs> oh I mean, this is this is kind of the book in the Django. I mean, getting ahead of myself here a little bit, but this was originally conceived as being a sequel to Django, direct official sequel to Django. Wow. Before they before they rewrote a bunch of shit, but. <laughs> So yeah, this is Kiyama 1976, a.k.a. Kiyama the Revenger, Django Part 2. Although that's like the German title. They just like, hey, this is Django Part 2, everybody. Watch this. Makes sense. Uh, Yeah. The Violent Breed, Kiyama the Avenger, Django Rides Again, Django's Great Return, Desperado, and Cool Man Kiyama. That's the one. They should have just all gone with that one. Cool Man Kiyoba. (laughs) I like the outlier, just Desperado. Yeah, (laughs) Desperado. I think that was one of the U.S. cuts. Of course. Uh, Yeah. So this is directed by Enzo G. Castellari. He is not unfamiliar with uh, both podcasts represented uh, here in this episode. Uh, Big fan over here. Yeah, he's he's done a lot of great stuff. Street Law, The Big Racket, The Heroin Busters, The Original Inglorious Bastards, The Shark Hunter, The Last Shark. And, of course, he did the 1990 Bronx Warriors, Escape from the Bronx, Warriors of the Wasteland, a.k.a. The New Barbarians. Tons of shit. And he did a bunch of spaghetti westerns before this, too. But this is his last one. And then we get into the writing credits here. George Eastman, surprisingly enough, has a writing credit on this. Wild. Uh, Yeah, George Eastman, who, you know, writer and actor, uh, appeared in most of the stuff he wrote. He didn't appear in this one, but, uh, of course, he wrote uh, and appeared in Anthropophagus and the sequel Absurd. He had a writing credit on Stage Fright. Um, Amazing. Yeah, and then he's acted in a ton of stuff, things you might have heard of, like Baba Yaga, which we covered on this podcast quite a while ago. Uh, We also covered Stage Fright. He was in Rabbit Dogs, Blast Fighter. Yeah. Blast Fighter, we covered that on the grind bin. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2019, after the fall of New York, Hands of Steel. Like, he really made an impact in the 80s and all these Italian Mad Max ripoffs, too. Like, he, I mean, he really he, showed up. He's one of those guys where you feel like he just wandered onto sets and no one wanted to tell him to leave. Well, I mean, the <laughs> I guy was like... almost seven feet tall. You got to yeah. tell him to leave? <laughs> I feel like at some point, he may have just lived on the post-apocalyptic sets, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, just <laughs> literally never left. Yeah. 
also in the writing credits here, we have uh, Mino Roli. His biggest credit I saw was like he wrote the story and did the screenplay for Grand Slam, which is a great heist movie. Um, if you guys haven't seen that one, check yeah. it out. Uh, it's, it's fucking great. It, it's got just like this opening scene for like several minutes with no dialogue where they do the heist or whatever. And it's fucking awesome. Like I it, love it, that. everybody ripped this shit off uh, from this movie. Um, we have Nico Ducci. Uh, he mostly did a bunch of Policio Teskis, uh as far as his screenwriting credits, just a handful of them. Um, Enzo G. Castellari himself uh, has a writing credit on this. And then we have Joshua Sinclair. And I believe we've talked about this guy before on a previous episode, but um, so he was an interesting character. He's still alive, I believe. He was a medical doctor specializing in tropical diseases. And apparently he's worked with Mother Teresa and Sister Rosa in various parts of Africa, which kind of makes me like dubiously think you're not that great of a guy. But he he was also a professor in comparative theology, and he sort of did movies as a sideline to actually make money he's a producer actor and director television writer uh he acted in stuff like lady frankenstein he acted in this movie as well we'll get to that uh he was in the big racket the heroin busters he was in the inglorious bastards bronx warriors and the last shark so he's kind of doing a little bit of it all Moving on here, we got Franco Nero as Kiyoma Shannon. Everyone knows who the fuck Franco Nero is. You should. <laughs> Dang I it. do now. <laughs> yeah. We have William Berger as a William Shannon. Great character actor. Mostly appeared in European like Westerns and exploitation and stuff. Uh, you can see him stuff like if, if you meet Sartana, pray for death. Um, <laughs> I love that title. My favorite role of his is Banjo in the movie Sabata with uh, Lee Van Cleef. He's in the Giallo Five Dolls for an August Moon, uh, the sequel to Superfly, Superfly TNT. Uh, He's in the official sequel to Django, which sucks ass, by the way. It's not good. That was actually Uh, the title. It's Django sucks ass. (laughs) Close. Django strikes again. You got the uh, first letters right on everything. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he's fucking great. I love him. Um, we got Olga Carlatos as uh, Lisa Farrow. Um, she has a couple interesting credits here. She was in uh, Lucio Fulci's Zombie, and she's also in Purple Rain credited as Mother. And I've never actually seen Purple Rain. I know what it is. I know who's in it and shit. So maybe she's playing Prince's mother in it. Prince's I, mom. I, I don't know. Mama Prince. She's a very she's a very white, beautiful Italian lady. I don't know or Greek maybe lady. I don't know. She's so Greek. yeah, she's Greek. Okay. Google it. Um, turns out she's two years older than my own mom. So. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. I just thought that was interesting. Just a random <laughs> fact. <laughs> my mom is old. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Hi, mom. Um, <laughs> don't let her let your parents listen to any of these by the way um, they do listen and they know they're old so it's okay <laughs> they know what they uh, <laughs> i apologize mrs and mrs mr and mrs hardy that's uh... it's the joke they always make they had me late that's why they admitted it so okay. <laughs> they waited too long they keep <laughs> <laughs> that's their big punchline they always end with we're old <laughs> pretty much anytime something happens like if if my mom doesn't hear me or like my dad forgets something he's like oh it's because i'm old <laughs> okay 
And then the other day, my mom was telling me, she's like, it's so nice. I get a senior's discount now. <laughs> like, I just love it. They're just owning the fact that they're older. I love it. <laughs> Man, I can't wait to do that. Yeah, my I do it now. <laughs> yeah, Mike was bored old. <laughs> well, I did tell you, uh, you know, once on the grind bin, I I was probably the youngest member of AARP. Uh, for some reason, they sent me a membership card in the mail when I was uh, fifteen years old. They they knew. That's nice. <laughs> and I kept it in my wallet and carried it around at school, saying like, "Oh yeah, no, I'm a member." <laughs> God damn it! I'm the oldest person on this fucking podcast. <laughs> Well, hey, I was a card-carrying member of AARP for years, Lee, and I got that magazine and everything. So, God damn my beautiful young baby face. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Orso Maria Guerrini? Nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah, I, I must have. As Butch, <laughs> as, as Butch Shannon, uh, he's been in a, a couple of notable things, uh, mostly Spaghetti Westerns and Policia Chesky's uh, Run Man Run. The big racket, and I call him the Italian Donald Sutherland because damn, <laughs> yeah. does he look like Donald <laughs> Sutherland? <laughs> we have Gabarelli uh, Giacobi as the witch. She had a handful of credits. I did not recognize any of them, but she's really good in this. So hell of a performance in this, though. Yeah, really good stuff. Uh, Antonio Marcina as Lenny Shannon. Uh, the only thing I saw him in that I recognized was the big racket, pretty much. Um, then we have, uh, of course, Joshua, Joshua Sinclair, as we're, we're talking about, who is one of the writers on this, is Sam Shannon. And uh, if you take his hat off, he looks like Christian Bale. Like <laughs> later on in the film, when he takes his hat off, it's like, oh, that's Christian Bale. Well, what's he doing in this? <laughs> Then we have Donald O'Brien as Caldwell, and uh, he was in Emmanuel in The Last Cannibals, Yeti, Giant of the 20th Century, uh, The Glorious Bastards, and uh, 2020 Texas Gladiators and Ghost Host, which is known as uh, Host 3 in Italy, although, you know, it's not part of the... The the host series officially in, in classic Italian fashion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you said but, it really fast. It's not a manual in the Young Cannibals or whatever that was, right? Is that it's what I said? <laughs> no, you said a manual, and then you went into a cannibal movie. I'm like, wait, hold up here. Was yeah, that no, a thing? Uh, yeah, no, yeah, no. There is there is an Emmanuel movie that involves cannibals. What? Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, can I hear that title again? Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals. Really? Hmm. I might huh, have the man. soundtrack to that. She I think really I, went everywhere, huh? I think that's um, a, Laura, a Laura Gizmer uh, Emmanuel film. If if not, if I'm not mis- mistaken. Um, well, as we always say, it is sex Django. So there's millions of Emmanuel it, it, movies. So. It, it, it kind of is. I, I don't know if it's considered official or not. I didn't look that deep <laughs> into it. But I'm just uh, happy to see that they crossed over with the cannibals subgenre. Just what we needed. A sexy <laughs> cannibal mm-hmm. movie. <laughs> but uh, my favorite thing about Donald O'Brien is he's got one of my favorite performances ever from a film, from a trashy, shitty Italian film called Zombie Holocaust, also oh, known yeah. as Dr. Oh, Butcher MD. MD. That stands for Medical Deviant. That's right. <laughs> and it's funny you say that, Bobby, because his name is Dr. Butcher MD, Medical Deviant. <laughs> and he has such great lines like this all throughout the film. I'm determined to have your brain be the culmination of my career. <laughs> He's fucking great. That's so good. <laughs> I love that film. I love the fucking dummy drop where the arm pops off. And <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> they do a dummy drop, Mike, and like the arm just goes right off the body. 
<laughs> they kept it in. They could have cut me from the the thing. They could have dropped it a second time. They they could have done anything. But they no were like, second oh. takes. We got to move on. I just yeah. love it in the editing room. They're like, no, leave it in. I like yeah. that. It's, it's a little more brutal that way. He fell yeah. so hard, his arm flew off. <laughs> and finally, we have Woody Strode as George. Uh, if you don't know who Woody Strode is, well, maybe you've not watched movies. I don't know. Yeah, we can't. Um, he, he's been in just about anything from like classic Hollywood era to up until the 90s. Uh, Ten Commandments, Spartacus, uh, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, The Professionals, Once Upon a Time in the West is one of the uh, thugs in the opening that uh, Charles Bronson guns down at the train station, Kingdom of the Spiders, uh, Vigilante, and The Quick and the Dead, which which was his uh, last uh, film. The, uh, the 1992 film by Sam. No, that's not. It's 94, right? It was, it was 94. Sam Raimi, 94, I think it was. Quick and it was Dead. a chair. 95. Film, right? That's what it was. Yeah. 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 We were getting there. We were working our way toward it. You said you said you sounded very unenthused by that that film, Mike. Do you not like that film? I just remember seeing it when it came out and being like, eh, just not that into film, it as a kid. That that film is a load of fun. That that's a fun <laughs> fucking film. <laughs> Maybe I have to go back and watch it. Yeah, you you got you should. Um do it. <laughs> I'm old. Does that work for me? <laughs> not in this room when I'm the oldest guy. God damn it, you fucking kids. <laughs> old man. Don't appreciate anything. Clouds. <laughs> holy fuck um so we have a synopsis here i pulled from youtube or not youtube imdb same thing um yeah, you're just gonna play the synopsis somebody else says it. Yeah. here we go you just, yeah. you just hit play you hear someone going hey guys <laughs> <laughs> now they're trashing my soundboard that's great um <laughs> elderly has uh pulled something off the youtube <laughs> I'm trying so hard. To, I'm trying so hard to use technology, and you know what? This is the perfect opportunity. Lee, say it. Punchline. He's old, everybody. <laughs> I'm old. I don't know oh, which Lee you were talking about, so oh, I kind of froze on true. that one. Yeah, yeah. You gotta say, you gotta say, Lady Lee. <laughs> Should I call you Old Lee? Yeah, I guess. You can yeah, call you can. Like old man Lee. I mean, elderly. 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 <laughs> He's never bringing us back on this show. For uh, <laughs> me, Vaughn and Daniel, why did not person joke? Vaughn and Daniel, why did you not show up? We got to kick these two off. We could have forsaken him. Am I am I a part of that kicking off? Because I'm also a part of these jokes. So we, we could arrange you in. <laughs> could you? Could you? Probably not. Um, <laughs> anyway, synopsis. Half-breed Kiyoma returns to his border hometown after service in the Civil War and finds it under the control of Caldwell, an ex-Confederate raider, and his vicious gang of thugs. To make matters worse, Kiyoma's three half-brothers have joined forces with Caldwell and make it painfully clear that his return is an unwelcome one. Determined to break Caldwell and his brother's grip on the town, Kiyama partners with his, his father's former ranch hand to exact violent revenge. Okay, that kind of happens in the film a little bit. Yeah, That's they fun. left out the whole part about the lady. <laughs> yeah, there's this old lady who might be the personification of death. and you know. The lady that what? personification of life? Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the, uh, the pregnant, pregnant lady. woman who... Was being quarantined for a plague or something? So <laughs> yeah, like that very classic like <laughs> Western setup. And then also, there's a plague and a desert witch. 
all of this so, okay yeah there's some i guess because they were in part really well they're females so why would we talk about them right of course. <laughs> who cares what the dames are up to yeah, fuck them <laughs> they're just damsels in distress anyway so yeah <laughs> um but yeah we'll, we'll just kind of like uh jump into this uh I'll I'll throw over to sort of Bobby first. Uh, any sort of general thoughts you want to get into here? You know, I thought this is a this was a really uh, action packed for a Franco Nero. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I I wasn't expecting it to be as kinetic as it was. I I really loved uh, a lot about this, um, save for that soundtrack. <laughs> like I don't know who signed off on this, but it really clangs against everything that's going on. In oh the my god, the soundtrack, the soundtrack! Like I remember. Yeah, I feel like we have to talk about that first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh no, first I thought it was great. Oh, I thought it was great too. It I grows. Laughed. It grows on I you. It, like, it really does. Song, the first song, you're like, okay, I can, I can feel this. Like I can dig this. And then as soon as you get, um, <laughs> you get him with his accent singing. Oh my god! Oh that's, my god! That's kind of my exact note. This is like, okay, and you're like, okay, this is the opening song. This is the theme. It's like Django, so it's cool. You can let it sort of happen, and surely we'll not hear this vocal duo throughout the entire movie, right? Oh right? my god! But we do. Oh my god! And <laughs> when we get to the point where the, the low register guy is just going, I want to die. <laughs> I want to die. To die. die. <laughs> I thought it was perfect because like this is this is um you know, how often do you not want to have to go to the bathroom during a movie, right? Because you're like, oh, I'm going to miss something. But in this movie, you can always come back and the song will tell you what you missed. Oh, no. Exactly. It's, perfect. it's like yes. you come back and it's like, now your father respects you. And you're like, oh, oh, he won his father's love back. <laughs> yeah. So That's for great. people. They're people summarizing have, the movie. So. Yeah. For yeah. people who may, may have not seen Kiyoma yet. Uh, so the song basically narrates the plot and also the inner thoughts of Kiyoma. I want yeah. to die. <laughs> they uh, they play that as a gag in Black Dynamite, the Michael mm-hmm. Johnny White uh, black exploitation satire, and I didn't think I'd ever see a movie that did that sincerely. Well, there's actually several black exploitation movies that do that too. Like that, the, the, if anything, this is cribbing from black exploitation films. Well, I mean, I mean, Superfly, surely, but it, I, maybe it's because the songs are so much better. Although this is know. also this is also cribbing from um, uh, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, which had that with the Bob Dylan soundtrack. Um, which I understand they played on the set of this movie before they added the uh, the music. They played a lot of Bob Dylan while they were filming. Did they have auditions yeah. for people at least to like see if they could sing? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So what driver was singing the guy part of this? So the, oh so, the, so the two people involved in this. Okay. So first off, the the entire soundtrack, the music is all done by uh, Maurizio and Guido DeAngelis. So all of There wasn't a soundtrack, really. (laughs) There was two songs that were fucking repeated. It was more like an audio commentary. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So they they did the arrangements and the music, and the singers here are a duo known as Sybil and Guy, um, a.k.a. AKA Susie and Guy. Um, (laughs) I honestly thought it was like the actual actor. So uh, him, 
You know, Franco Nero was singing on it. Yeah, I thought he was because oh. they had the the really bad accent and it sounded really bad. And I'm like, did they just get him to sing the song? Well, <laughs> see, I had to. I had the same I had the same problem with the Franco Nero film Street Law back in the day when because they have the they have like the song Goodbye My Friend and shit like that. And it sounds like, oh, that must be Franco Nero doing the vocals. It's like, no, it's I believe it's actually guy doing that as well. That's so just some guy. Could so, they no, someone who could actually sing though? Like Well, so Sybil is Susan Duncan Smith. Guy is Cesar de Natale. And so his they, name's not Guy. He's just no. referred to as Guy. Where, He's got several names. Like, like I, 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 cannot I, sing. <laughs> I challenge anyone to give me a complete discography of these two people's uh, work, because depending on where you look, it's widely different than what another discography says. But huh. these two did work with uh, the the DeAngelis brothers over and over again in various capacities, either writing songs or singing. They're the Nicolas Cage of like musical artists. They just take whatever fucking gig <laughs> they can get. That's not a bad comparison. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and they give it their all, no matter where they go. So, you know, kind of thing. I will but, admit uh, that. There was like a lot of passion behind every song. But you could tell there was a lot of like, I honestly thought it was the actor singing because there was a lot of shitty shitty notes being hit like it was bad well guy would agree to be like guy would agree to agree on a soundtrack if he didn't have to stand up he was just gonna sit down from his chair and sing and that's all you get i wonder if it's because i made him have an accent because it was very obvious usually with like songs it's less accenty sure oh i think that was a guy choice he came in he was like i'm gonna do this one little accent work well he's he's italian I'm, I'm okay, throw a spaghetti that wasn't it. an Italian <laughs> accent. I live with Italians like all my whole life. That wasn't an Italian. Like I've well, he Italian well, accent. he's obviously doing some sort of inflection, right? Like, he, but <laughs> yeah, it was his that choice. That was not an Italian accent. That was a forced. Okay, I'm an accent. <laughs> we, we've established you're the worst Italian, so I don't know if you. That's should fine, but I still I don't know. Mike's live here. with Italians my whole fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> my own mother's Italian, Lee. All right, let's 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 get this She's settled. Old. Let's get this settled right now between <laughs> between between Mike and, and Lady Lee. Who's the worst uh, well, Italian? When when yeah, exactly. When when you put spaghetti in the pot, what do you do? Do you put it in whole or do you break it uh, up? I'll leave this show if this answer is wrong. <laughs> yeah. Choose right, wisely. What oh, okay, me personally, I put <laughs> it in whole. Thank yeah, you, you don't it. break that shit. You're not a psychopath. My mom, okay, my mom is like yeah, literally the biggest penny penny pincher ever. <laughs> so she'll literally be like, because okay, so my mom. This is going to be a total like side chat right now. But anyways, it's my mom Western. lived. We can talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my mom lived super poor, like super fucking poor. So she had to, as a child, was one of those things she grew up because um, she was the only female and was the oldest. She grew up like cooking dinner for her family and taking over like the mom role because she was like the mom future maker person like they were like training her to become a housewife uh it is really sad like when you actually think about it, it is really sad what they do with females because they kind of like take away their hopes and dreams and be like you're gonna be a housewife hey um, mom hope you're listening enjoy the podcast she told me this <laughs> she told me this so it's okay okay but uh i remember growing up she would always like break the pasta and put it in the pot because like it was one of those things where she didn't want to use as much water and she didn't want to use as much electricity to heat up as much water so it was a way to like penny pinch in the most like frugal fucking way possible so um yes i do it whole but my mom used to break it because then she could have a smaller pot and she could use less water which took less heat and use less electricity which cost less that makes sense so 
that is the only reason now I my apartment electricity is paid for. So look at that. Biggest burner, smallest pot. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what you're saying is Mike is just a capitalist piece of shit. No, I mean, I'm saying you're an wasting, asshole. Wasting all kinds of energy and just I'm calling I wish, you an asshole I, for bringing it up. <laughs> no, when I cook pasta, I just let the water run the whole time. Like I just leave the pasta <laughs> oh, on oh, while wow. I'm boiling it, just in case, you know. Oh yeah, just yeah. in case it boils over, right? Yeah, Got extra water going in. Yeah. <laughs> Even leave the stove on after you're finished cooking. It's like I'm going to be I, there for breakfast. How do you too. keep your apartment warm? That's true. <laughs> I often just leave the oven on all day. Just yeah. yeah. Just, what if just, I want to cook something? Sometimes I'll kneel down and put my head in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a rich man. I go to sleep with all the lights on in the house. Don't Hell worry. Yeah. I don't even use the LEDs. I use the, like the fucking expensive ones. I waste all the electricity. Yes. Whenever I go to the store, I do ask them for the expensive lights. I said, no, 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 no. Give me the ones that cost a lot more money when I plug them in. Go yeah, get the ones like, from the I any... most electricity <laughs> and have the light, like the shortest life. Do you have any older lights from like the seventies? I want the ones you're technically not allowed to sell anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want the fridge that consumes like so much fucking electricity in order to try to keep it running and it may may keep your food good for like a day. Get me that fridge. <laughs> you I want one that dims now. the block. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, Kuma. Uh, but we should all say that like if you break your pasta, you are a war other criminal. than Lady Lee's mom. I'm gonna allow it. Uh, you're a psycho. Unless you're, you're old. <laughs> My mom is old, so she's forgiven and old. <laughs> you can't be mad at her. She's too old. I guess I can get away with it, too, then. All right. Because you're Absolutely old. <laughs> Lee, you break your pasta? Yeah. What? Do you break oh, your pasta? God. What are you doing? Are you a devil? Is our friendship over, Mike? <laughs> Everybody, all here. Just we all just log off at once. Certainly. Think <laughs> you're old and you break you know. your pasta. Look, this next time, podcast. just put just put it in a hole next time. Just try it once for me, okay? Just put it all in there at once. It's fine. You don't need to break it. And just I want you to, to call out, this one's for you, Mike, as you slurp your big noodle. <laughs> yeah. God damn. I'm going to have to buy a bigger pot, I guess. God damn. All right. Um. <laughs> all right. That's all right. We're going to start a Kickstarter to get Lee a new pot. I'll send you one. <laughs> all right. So. Kiyoma. <laughs> Yeah, Kiyoma. So, like, you know, one of, one of the one of the things I, I kind of dig about this uh, is it was obviously like one of the trivia things here. It was kind of written on the on the fly, like they rewrote it as they were filming. So, this witch woman that he encounters in the opening scene, she's kind of like presented as sort of the personification of death or whatever. Yeah. She keeps asking him questions, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like, why are you here, Kilma? Why did you come back? What are you doing? And every time he answers with these vague sayings that sound like bad inspirational memes that you see on like, like Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a cool man. It says that in the title. Yeah, cool man, Kilma. He's yeah. gonna say some cool man shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, I'm thinking about it later. All, all <laughs> the stuff, all the stuff is just like the worst like non sequiturs and like, he's just the personification of an existential crisis. Basically. Like I love it so much. <laughs> we are spending this whole movie staring passionately at our navels. <laughs> it's, it's great. I love that. He came on with like no shirt. I just appreciate that. Like, immediate. Like first thing you see him at the bar, no shirt, just, mm -hmm. just topless. Like, okay. 
okay, I see how these westerns work. Like, oh, yeah. sun's beating on your shoulders, and like sunburn's totally a thing. And it's not as if you had sunscreen back then. But yeah, bare chest. Let's do it. Well, you got that hairy chest. This one almost counted as an Emmanuel. <laughs> yeah, I was. It got warm when I was watching this. It, it, I mean, look, maybe, he's not wearing a shirt, but he's wearing a shirt. He's got a pretty hairy chest yes. going, so you know, he's got he's, that he natural a, shirt. He is an Italian man, but I mean, I, go ahead. Go on. Go ahead. I was just—I was just going to say—is I was wondering if this was one of these gay cowboy movies Sam Elliott's yelling at clouds about these days, you know? Like, <laughs> oh, don't tell Sam Elliott about Kioma. <laughs> <laughs> That's your job to yell at clouds. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can, I can, I, I, damn, I can see Sam Elliott just like, well, back in the day when I did westerns, no one wore a fucking bare open shirt. Everyone wore clothes, damn it, and everyone was manly and slapped each other on the ass. And then an Italian man starts singing his inner monologue. Mm-hmm. Like, I Italian have story. complicated feelings about my sexuality. No, the whole the, the whole song would be I have a mustache. I mustache. have a mustache. And I don't know about my sexuality. <laughs> but yeah, when, when Kilma first comes on screen though, I, I audibly went, What in the Billy Jack is this? <laughs> he does look I, like Billy Jack. I don't know how many times I've mentioned these in podcasts and like all the fucking Italian movies we've watched. Where do they get these fucking people under goddamn eyes? Like, <laughs> please explain that to me. It's only Italian movies that I really see it. The occasional time you'll see it elsewhere, but every fucking time you watch a goddamn Italian movie, I always comment about the friggin' eyes because they find these actors and actresses with the most fucking glorious, gorgeous, goddamn eyes. Like Terrence Hill. Mm-hmm. Yes, that dude will pierce right through your soul. <laughs> yes, and then the, like the last movie, like uh, Diabolic. Um, oh, um, Andrew Diabolic. When yeah, watch that the one. guy from Barbarella. Uh, yeah, the fucking yeah. eyes, the fucking eyes, and then the the first one you made me watch. I can't remember the name now. Uh, oh, it was one of the uh, it was one of the Django ripoffs. Um, yes, the his eye, his freaking eyes, and then there was a horror movie that I was watching. The fucking main character, the female, her eye. I don't know where they get. Were them. you watching the like, Beyond? No, it was like something colors of the world, colors from something, colors, something about colors. All the colors of the dark. Is it? It probably that one. Oh, maybe you you were watching some stuff on Shutter that's yeah personally yeah yeah like her she's gorgeous and her eyes are freaking anyways totally (laughs) like not about the movie but anyways I don't know what they do because all I know like again I'm Italian family. I only see them with like brown eyes or dark eyes. And then all of a sudden these like people pop up with these gorgeous freaking eyes. Well, like, they're all Westworld robots. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, Hey, we're going to cast you. We don't care about your skill. We don't care what you can do. You just have really nice eyes. So you're the main lead. You are the person we want. You know, on sets where they don't record audio, that works perfect. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, it's like, just they like, don't need you to talk. Just kind of flap your mouth a little bit and stare into the camera with those baby blues. You know, that's all. Someone we else handle the acting. Yeah. Ugh, God damn it! <laughs> so they, they're so captivating too. You just get stuck. Like, st- well, I know I do. It's I have, I have a weakness. I love those like big, gorgeous eyes, bright eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might need a moment. <laughs> all right. 
<laughs> Talk, okay. Oh, another thing I want to bring back is like the audio too, like just the sound effects. It's hilarious because the movie's very quiet and there's sometimes where they need the sound effects and they don't put the sound effects. Like when the guy slams on the table and there's no sound of a slam. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm like, I needed that slam to make it more intense. Like I get that they were trying to do this like voiceover to kind of show what's happening. So that takes away from the sound and like makes you pay attention to the voiceover. But you needed fucking sound effects. And, and <laughs> they do that to get real. They do that to get real artsy later too. Like the big mm-hmm. final gunfight, you don't hear any of the gunfight. Yeah. Every time hear... they shoot, like two shots, and then like ten people die. That's pretty dope. <laughs> I want yeah. to hear those bullets ricochet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they, they do have a couple scenes, especially like that scene with the uh, the three brothers of Kiyama where they they go to gun down some people and they you only see them shoot once, but you see multiple scenes of people just falling over dead or actually nobody falls over dead in this film. There's, that's the thing with this film. Everybody does like figure skater spins and jump oh, up in the air a, as they get shot. A sow cow. <laughs> I fell back to the horses. Because <laughs> they had to do the, the skating moves too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The amount that fell on their side, I was like, oh, the poor horses. They are just brutalizing them right now. Yeah, it's an Italian movie. Mm-hmm. They do not care an about animals. <laughs> with fucking my horse in Red Dead. These are real horses in a real fucking movie. Well, you're, 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 yeah, you're super abusive for your horse in Red Dead, so that's fine. At least I don't murder dogs. <laughs> I don't murder dogs either. I had to kill one because it was in pain. <laughs> we have <the> <laughs> Anyways, but yeah. I was all I could think of was Red Dead. This whole movie, <laughs> I mean, like, I, I, oh my god, this is like a Red Dead downloadable content mission, right? <laughs> it definitely felt like a video game more so than most spaghetti westerns I've watched. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially like the, the, the wide angles, the ultra wide angles. Mm-hmm. Where you had the scenery and them like kind of just riding the horses every time, and you're like, wow wow, this totally feels like a video game. This totally feels like I should be like playing and be like, hey, go this way. Walk down the hill, horse. <laughs> Fall down <laughs> to your death. I, I, I want to rewatch this while holding a controller. <laughs> to see how that feels. <laughs> your shots won't work, though. The, uh, the, the accuracy of the, the bullets that you hear will not be the accuracy of what you shoot. <laughs> yeah. Well, you only have to do it once, and you'll kill 15 people, though, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I got the cheat code. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this this film sort of sets up that you know Kiyama comes to town after saving this woman. So that that's sort of like the um, oh, there's there's a bit of a Django uh, synchronicity here, where you know Django in 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 that film he he saves a woman from a bunch of masked racist fucks, mm-hmm. and then goes to town with her or whatever. Kind of same setup here. Uh, you can kind of see those building blocks, like you were saying about how it was originally supposed to be a Django movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love the opening gun squib too, where he he shoots a shotgun and you see like the four holes from the shotgun, like yeah. comes. That's my name. Like, yeah. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was two bullets in that gun, and I understand that shotguns like will splatter, so either there'll be a bunch, but literally there's four. <laughs> you just see there's yeah. four. <laughs> okay. If that's how you make it work, sure. Like, I understand. You can't actually shoot somebody, but... <laughs> Can you at least test a gun to see how it splatters before you... <laughs> they do a lot of cool shots with uh, with where the bullet holes are popping up. There's a scene about halfway through the movie where uh, we put the camera behind the target. 
and mm-hmm. the holes are just sort yeah. of appearing and, yeah. and mm-hmm. the image is coming to life. I was like, that's really cool. <laughs> I feel I, like that was ahead of its time. I did like the, the four cents too, where he went like one, two, three, four. I, I like that. I thought that was hilarious. Oh yeah. It was that's, like a cocky, like badass moment. That's the big scene, right? Like that's the big, like, Oh yeah, here's here's where Kiyomo's in his shit. Like where here's yeah. where he's you know, gonna fuck everybody up, kind of thing. This is where he's cool guy Kiyoba. What was it? <laughs> was, was it cool yeah. man Kiyoba? Cool, cool guy Kiyoba. Uh, cool dude Kiyoba. Cool. cool no, it, it it was cool man Kiyoma. Yeah. <laughs> I did like this movie. I, I mm-hmm. I'm gonna say I did like this movie as much as I'm making fun of it. Like there was, I think it was uh, a movie that was supposed to be taken more seriously than uh, I actually oh, did. Yeah. And that's probably where I enjoyed it because it was like that serious moment where you laugh really hard. So, because had they I mean, not had that, I think I would have found it boring. But had they not had those moments where they were taking it seriously, but we found hilarious, I, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it. I completely agree with that. It's um, it's incredibly well made, and it's so laughably pretentious that yeah. and artsy to a to a to a fault that it becomes hilarious while you are also sincerely enjoying this movie. Yeah, and the friggin' music. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I mean. Here's here's the question: Like, did Castellari actually think he was making like an art film here, or at least a serious issues movie? Right? Because like, he's tackling stuff like disease, racism, imperialism, family issues. And then, and then, then he throws in the mysticism angle, and sort of like. A little bit of a meditation on the myth of gunslingers. And, and then someone, I need a baby. It'll live. It's free. It'll live. Uh, that ending is amazing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he needed like a he needed someone to clear that up for him. Like, what's the point of this movie? Because you can't it can't be about all of this. <laughs> but yeah, that ending, though, where he drops. I mean, we're just jumping around so we can spoil this. But like where he drops this baby off to the desert, witch, and she's like, I don't have any supplies for this baby to live like this baby's going to die. He's like, no, he won't. He's free. <laughs> just, like, a free man never dies anyway bye <laughs> I, I was watching him like is he wait wait this is the ending what the fuck he just pieces out after all of that he leaves this baby to die in the desert with a crazy old woman <laughs> <laughs> who's like I mean, supposed to be the witch lady who represents death <laughs> yeah I, I mean like right Mike like Kima's kind of the worst person in this film, oh yeah, and and to <laughs> talk about what, really, to call back to what you guys are talking about, yes, I think it's it's supposed to take. I think that Enzo was thinking this was a serious art film, and that's kind mm-hmm. of why it makes it very enjoyable. Is that it's um, failing at that a lot of times, especially <laughs> with the soundtrack and the real heavy-handed imagery and symbolism. Um, and I mean, come on! It is also funny with the casting of mm-hmm. like Franco Nero playing um, half uh, Native American, half white man. Um, <laughs> and it really looks- is Franco Nero playing Billy Jack. Yes, yeah. and he looks—I mean, like a dead ringer. Like if you look at this poster and you put Jared Leto's name instead of Franco Nero, nobody would think twice. They think it's a movie starring Jared Leto. Like he Jared Nero, exactly like him. <laughs> As soon as you said that, I googled the posters. I'm like, oh, yep, I can totally see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of what gives it, I guess, a lot of its charm, right? And then, yeah, Kiyama is just like, he's kind of like an asshole for a lot he of is. it, too. And he's, he's supposed to be the hero. And he's a cool man, Mike. Yeah, he's cool. 
It's just soul men are often misinterpreted. There's some parts where you wonder, like, maybe you should have just left that pregnant lady, dude. Like, I don't think she's necessarily better off with you. Yeah, like, (laughs) yeah, let's leave her with a lateral move. (laughs) Mind you, the fact that she died anyway, and the baby's gonna die anyway. (laughs) (laughs) He killed everybody. Maybe the plague people had a nice towel going. I don't know. He took her out of that. I mean, he. So I'm, I'm pretty sure, like. Castellari was kind of thinking along the lines of, oh, this is symbolizing that this child is going to have a new beginning and is going to be like the new Kiyoma with a chance for a life that isn't fucked up. But like, no, he's just like, later. Yeah, I'm out of here. Toast in like two weeks. <laughs> yeah. like, I, don't want, I don't want your plague, baby. Bye. And then he just rides <laughs> off. She, they, what they don't show is the camera pans back and the old witch just tosses the baby over her shoulder. <laughs> Like, She's I like, oh, I tried. One. I tried. <laughs> like, you have to nurse the baby. First of all, there's no supplies. The mother's dead, and she's, like, dried up beyond belief. Yeah. Like, how is this fucking she's child old. supposed to eat? She's not going to oh. pop a witch titty out and... There's nothing wanted, left. <laughs> you wanted to see the, the maybe it's like formula. You add water, like seriously. <laughs> you wanted to oh see my the God. scene where Kiyama tries to to breastfeed the baby yeah. himself. <laughs> oh my god, I was just thinking that. Like I was kind of thinking, like they might have considered that for this movie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the death of the mother too. I I don't want to laugh at that because it's it's a pretty serious topic. But her death was uh, kind of made me laugh because like obviously like she's in Your so much monster. pain. Everything happens, and she's gonna baby cry, and I was just I staring at you. And there was no actual like end. Like she's just all of a sudden like, okay, baby's out, die. <laughs> no, well, I think it was kind of funny too because no sound effects are happening and like all no. these people are dying and getting shot and they hear wee, wee. and it's uh, <laughs> mom's dead. It's the yeah. most it's the most anti spaghetti western ending that you would ever assume to happen. Like because if if you've watched a lot of spaghetti westerns, you're watching this is like okay, they're gonna have the shootout at the end between him and his brothers. It's gonna be a big stare down, and then like in three seconds he's gonna gun them all down. That's what's gonna be right. I, and then I no enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like he's not worried about shit. Like he handles everything quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a cool uh, man. Yeah. Although, I mean, like that first fight he has with his brothers, you kind of think he's going to lose because like he beats the first brother up with no problem. The second brother yeah. like sucker punches him and gives him a little bit of trouble. And then Italian Donald Sutherland like looks like he's got it in hand. And then Kiyoma comes up from behind and just fucks It's when him. they wrestled on the ground. He just gained his power all of a sudden. Mm. Like, okay, all I did was lay down for a bit. <laughs> Give me a rest. <laughs> and that's where you get into where it was taking itself too seriously, too, where they like constantly cut back to the flashbacks of, of like young Nero getting beat oh, yeah. up the same way by his brothers, mm-hmm. right? But we did kind of the the like Mexican folktale thing where like or Mexican fairy tale thing where he's like walking through his mm-hmm. own memories. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. Like I, I liked the um That was cool. Like, I think the mm-hmm. first instance of it is where um, he remembers, like, he hears Woody Strode's banjo and it yeah. immediately takes him back to, oh, Woody Strode was like the, the field hand on his father's ranch or whatever, like field hand, quote unquote, slave um, yeah, on the father's true. ranch. And but he he bonded with him because he was a half breed. And apparently uh, Woody Strode's character was also half Indian. They just sort of throw that in a throwaway line or something like that. But that's that's how he can use the bow and arrow. That's not the strangest cut when like you hear the banjo yes. and he, he, you just kind of see his face like, eh? 
as he peers through the window. Yeah. And then it just changes scene entirely. Like, yeah. And you're like, what's going on here? Yeah. I was and- like, what's this guy selling? <laughs> All right. Oh, he was when- selling bow and arrows. <laughs> like, but you I know, door to door bow. Like, he's never seen a string he didn't want to pluck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's some there's some stuff here like you know the end bombs dropped several times in this film yeah. once by a Kiyoma, which is just like i'm supposed to like you Kiyoma. why are you calling woody strode an end bomb what are you, you doing? liked this guy yeah oh is or is that the i i have a friend and he and he's cool with it kind of oh, thing no. <laughs> like Kiyoma, no you can't say that no. this george's scream when he died oh yeah oh man I love it. I, f- I think it's fucking great. That? I've made it's it a, the text message alert on my phone. It's, <laughs> That's amazing. It's a great death scream, though. Like, I, I kind of like it. Like, he's, he's kind of willing himself to continue to strangle a racist dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pretty good. Like, there's a lot of those moments where, like, this movie didn't have to go this hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but you're kind of... I don't know. They t- self-taking it so seriously was part of its charm, I think. Yeah, right? absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, if yeah. it was if it was any more or any less in either direction, like, it wouldn't have been as good. They, they found yeah. the pocket. Yeah. Yeah, they found that, like, uh, sweet spot that was, uh, it was very enjoyable, even though you couldn't take it seriously. Like, there's no way you could take it seriously. And I found and I mean, that, that's been true of every Enzo Castellari movie I've ever seen. And I mean, for all the, like, as much as they go, like, uh, existential and, and mystical and stuff like that. And and some of the action scenes are like, that's not what I expected. They still actually have a couple really good action scenes as well. Like that whole shootout in the town where Kiyoma pretty much single-handedly takes on the entire army of Confederate oh, dudes. God. It was like Robocop going through the, uh, the lab. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> He's just shooting over his shoulder, not no look shots. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and I, and I love like, you know some of these throwaway lines where they cut back into the music you know like when he has that showdown uh with those dudes it's like yeah i'm here in front of these men gun in hand waiting for what will be it's like okay berserker Uh, so much of it to me felt like um, really the end of an era with spaghetti westerns, right? And you know, oh, yeah. like, it's obviously a later one, but so much of like one of the last, right? Even how the sets look, right? It's just like run down and everybody looks really tired and <laughs> everyone's it, over it. I mean, it really is though, right? Like you look at it as like this is like the end of an era, really, and like this is the last of its kind, uh, and you can just see it for everything. Yeah, <laughs> the way everybody's just well, beaten down and tired, the sets, fu- everything. About funny, it. funny you mentioned that. Um, that just sort of bit was sort of a happy circumstance uh, because these sets, the majority of the ones they filmed in, are from Django. And they were just oh, like wow. the, the original sets that had li- sort of been left in disrepair and not used. And so they're like, hey, let's reuse those. Okay. I mean, they we just like covered shit. a movie on the grind bin that did that with the sets from uh, Once Upon a Time in America. <laughs> yeah. Rats. Uh, rats. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. Just, listen, yeah. just listen to that episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but none of that makes sense, though, right? Because, too, in this movie, he's coming back after a long time, right? And, like, mm-hmm. so much of it just fits for that end of this genre, basically. Yeah, you know. Um, do we have any sort of like uh, final thoughts we want to throw out? Any other notes that we didn't get to? Um, do you want me to sing it or? 
Yeah. <laughs> yes, I definitely do. He hit final notes for us. In an, in an um, accent, actually. Like uh, a really big, obvious accent. Do you feel this is a, a good uh, or a fitting goodbye for the genre? Since I think it did kind of wrap it up. I think this is the last great spaghetti Western, honestly. I think that's true. Cause there's, there's still a few, like there's, there's still a couple, like there's a uh, Men- and there's like a Lucio Fulci one that came out like after this. And then of course you get the, the uh, Django sequel in the late eighties, which sucks. And then you have a, uh, Terrence Hill, Bud Spencer one as well, Sons of Trinity or some shit like that in the nineties, which is mm. not good. It, this is this is pretty much the last like real super oh, true one. Yeah. So you'd say Lee that this is the one that broke the spaghetti. This is the, this, this is the one that was like you know what that pot <laughs> not big enough. Man, and of all people oh to get to, to to close the door, to put the keys on the counter and close the door one last time for Spaghetti Westerns, they picked Enzo Castellar. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, uh, Kabuchi man was uh, too busy making Terrence Hill Bud Spencer comedies at this point, you know? Like, <laughs> Sergeant Corbucci man. Yeah. <laughs> but it is kind of fun to see Nero return, right? Like, even though it's not a direct sequel to Django, mm-hmm. him coming back for this one, I just think it's fitting. I Everything think it, about I, it seems right. I think it Honestly. works as like a spiritual sequel in a way, you know, like, yeah, there's just, there's, so. there's just too much of like the in- initial attention for it to be a Django sequel. And then it changed radically, but it's still got like that sort of skeleton of like, Oh, here's what they're going for kind of thing. And like, honestly, I like this way better than what they probably would have done with the Django sequel that they were going to make. Cause it feels like the Django sequel they were going to make was just going to be a carbon copy of Django. And it's just like, uh, How you Italian. Need to, yeah. Do you need to do that? <laughs> do you need to do that in 76? Like, I, I don't know. Like it, it just feels too outdated at that point. So like this is doing stuff that no other spaghetti Western was really doing. No. So. Uh, not at all. It, it reminded me a bit of uh, the Great Silence from '68. Mm-hmm. Like there was some tonal stuff there. I think that would have made a really good double. And that was got nearly ten years earlier. Yeah. So like it's like Castellari catching up with Corbucci a little bit here, kind of. Like. <laughs> he got there almost a decade later. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna do mine now. I'm gonna do my really great spaghetti western, and I, I think he kind of did. Honestly, that's true. And I, I, I would have loved a whole series of Kyoba movies. I want to see him going off being cool a bunch of places. Well, it's funny you mention that because um, so Franco Nero has several projects like in production <laughs> and uh, including the Django sequel. Well, that's been in, in production for I mean, since the since the Tarantino Django came out. I remember they announced that. Mm-hmm. But he's also apparently they're I mean, Castellari's still alive, and apparently, you look yes. at his IMDb, uh, there is a Kioma sequel in the works. I understand it's what? called Kioma, He's Old. <laughs> Stars Lee. It's, 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 not, it's not cool it's man Kioma. Kioma. It's, it's old man Kioma. Yeah, it's like old man one. Kioma. It's like, oh, they're doing an old man Logan. Kioma Lee. <laughs> I'd watch it. <laughs> Why do I do this podcast? <laughs> Why did you invite me on this podcast? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so we have no uh, budget for this, but the box office, if this is any indication, uh, 1.571 billion lira. 
which My is probably God. like fifteen dollars in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> like lira didn't amount to shit. So like, but 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 still, this is like a phenomenal box office just in Italy alone for for this one. Uh, honestly, um, so it, it did pretty well, uh, and then that's actually pretty impressive considering it's a super late period spaghetti western where like no one was watching these anymore, right? So yeah, at that point we were like full on into Polizio Tecci now. Mm-hmm. Like, like westerns seemed a little outdated. Yeah, well, westerns are pretty much dead in both Italy and America. Um, even Plesioteskis were kind of wrapping up at this point, and yeah. and uh, black exploitation was dead. Like everything there was, was just nothing. On. Yeah, <laughs> no one was watching movies. We were all watching slashers at that point. Yeah, <laughs> like that's what was, that's what had come in at that point. Everyone just wanted to watch someone in a costume murdering people. Mm-hmm. Like this is right around the same time Hammer and uh, AIP were dead too yeah pretty much because they couldn't catch on to the slasher formula close quick enough yeah couldn't figure out how those work yeah how how do you do (laughs) a slasher again code to crack (laughs) (laughs) release info for this if you find it there's still probably some old arrow copies uh floating out there for eight hundred dollars on ebay um or not arrow i mean um anchor bay um okay yeah yes yeah, uh, Arrow and Mill <laughs> Arrow and Mill Creek actually. I got have nervous two. for a second. Lee. I yeah. got that like double feature with uh, the Grand Duel. I'm like, wait, yeah, is that yeah. shit worth eight hundred bucks? Because I don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> Arrow and Mill Creek both have excellent Blu-ray editions of this out that uh, clean it up and make it look really good. Uh, it's also an iTunes, Amazon Prime, Vudu, and um, of course, Blue Underground also like reissued this of course because they basically acquired all of uh anchor bay's shit right for the most part mm. so yeah. i watched it on tubi oh you watched it on tubi yeah yeah well i watched it on uh youtube there's like a couple versions on there as well you watched so. it on youtube with mm-hmm. commercials <laughs> yeah so um yeah, I kept getting like weird, like your credit must suck commercials on mine. I'm like, what are you trying to tell me? And they've been, they've I got been food ones. <laughs> Just tell me I should eat. <laughs> oh, fuck. Well, um, Mike and Bobby, excellent to have you guys back again. Oh, it was uh, great to come back. Thanks for having us. And I loved this movie. Thank you for, for having us come on to talk about this one. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, so please plug your podcasts uh what whatever you you got coming up etc et mm-hmm. <laughs> go for it mike yeah well we are the grind bin podcast you can just find us on any podcast platform uh and some of the latest episodes we did we just did one uh called bad guys uh which was a wrestling movie that uh lee we even talked to you about uh, before the show that you hadn't heard of mm. uh yeah but, but you'll yeah. love this it stars adam baldwin <laughs> what uh, the, the guy who started Gamergate? <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, and it has this wonderful cameo from Sergeant Slaughter, where he not only just appears in the crowd, he actually does a run-in during a match, which <laughs> okay. is amazing. Yeah, he, he beats up Sub Zero from the Running Man. Oh, re- oh Professor really? Toro Tanaka. Yes. Oh, Toro Tanaka's in it. Sweet. The more we explain to this movie, it's just surprising that no wrestling fans ever heard of it. Yeah, I've I haven't heard, heard of, it. of it. You haven't heard of it. It's scrubbed, man. I mean, Damn. we had somebody on whose like life is pro wrestling, and he hadn't even seen it. So that's that's really. <laughs> <annoying>. <laughs> 
Uh, so check out that episode. No, that was a, that was a lot of fun. And then one of our recent ones uh, that I really loved was the rats colon night of terror episode Ooh. that we just did. If you're into Italian movies, that was a combination of uh, post-apocalyptic movies and animal attack movies where we combine them into one insane genre. And we use used sets from once upon a time in America uh, to make a movie about, I guess, killer rats or rats <laughs> that are just really high and people keep getting in their way. Yeah. And, and they give a lead role to the guy who played the, the zombie. We are going to eat you zombie. Yeah. Yeah. Otaviano del Aqua got to like have a bunch of dialogue for once. And then fucking that's the, that's directed by Bruno Matai, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, yeah. Hey, let's, let's spray paint a bunch of rats. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. That's always my Italian voice on the grind bin. So, yeah. So we've been spending a lot of time in Italy lately. As an Italian man who grew up and worked in a pizza store, uh, you know, I feel like I I could I could do my Mario voice. You you got the old country flowing through. I'm half Italian. I'm allowed. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Uh, Lady Lee. Anything you need to plug? Uh, yes, you can find me at Money Tiny All Star on Instagram, where I will update you on any episodes that happen to pop up for this podcast. I just have to take your word for it because I'm too old to understand how to use Instagram. Apparently, so you know. I have been slacking a bit. I, I uh, did the last one finally, and I think I'm just going to have a bunch of pictures of like check out these episodes you might have missed because I might have missed a few. <laughs> <laughs> but Lee, I understand you do have an Instagram, and your username is Elder Lee, correct? Yes, that, that's that is correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all I, I do is <laughs> all I do is post pictures of Metamucil and. Uh, <laughs> And shake, sometimes your feet, you don't know the camera's on. Clouds. And really, really warm socks I get for Christmas. Uh, <laughs> That's stuff. actually an account I might follow. <laughs> I, I'm old. This is what I love now. Maybe oh. that should that maybe that should be a niche I should look into. Like, yeah, I could become an influencer. Old man with socks. Uh, that'd be good. <laughs> a retiree. As long as you influencer. have you shaking your fist at clouds, I'll be happy. Like, please do that. <laughs> I'll put a put a put a shake weight in my hand to make it super erotic. Um, yeah, perfect. All right. Uh, again, of course, you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com and uh, definitely have Mike and Bobby back again at some point. Please do. We'd love might to have lady back. might have Lady Lee back at some point. Well, we'll see. Um, after me. this <laughs> after this fucking episode, making fun of my old age. Uh, but yeah. Uh, Thank you guys for all being here and thank you all for listening and we'll be back. when We're back. Goodbye. Bye.
Now you've done already what you should have. You've done even more than you could do. Stop your fighting and find, find your place When there's no way to end your listening to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on site. For further episodes of this podcast, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. We're also on Apple Podcasts and pretty much any podcatcher that you can find. Thank you. Drive through.